0: Welcome to the Sozo Church podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. We introduced to our church for the very first time uh, something called prophetic ministry, ministry, uh, ministry uh, in the prophetic, which is simply, uh, as, as we heard Pastor Preston, he shared for a little bit, it's, it's simply uh, getting this this word from the Lord, God gives you a, a specific word um, and and you share that word with someone else, and it has just really one big purpose to encourage them just an encouraging word and so my thought was this as I was praying this past week, I felt like we needed to continue that conversation as we conclude this collection of, of sermons on uh, the ancient paths because this is the path of prophecy is a is an ancient path that the church has traveled down for generations and generations. The sad thing is, is there's been many denominations that have something called cessationism, which means that the gifts of the spirit have ceased. They're no longer important or vital for the church today. There's some people that actually believe that. We don't believe that as a church. Our position is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit of God are still relevant to the church today, to the believer today. And when the Holy Spirit is moving within a church, there's this activity of the spirit and, and, and there's supernatural things that happen, things like healing and miracles and wonders and signs. There's there's things like where, where people are baptized in the spirit. We just believe that as a church. We see it in the scriptures. And, and so since it's in the scriptures, we just choose to believe it as. A church. Now, um, today we're going to just dig into this idea a little bit more about prophecy. I want to give you a working definition, and I want to get really practical. Uh, there's a few things I'm going to share. A few scriptures that Pastor Preston he shared Sunday night. Uh, I want to share those again for for some of you that were not here, and I think it will bring some clarity around this this gift, the gift of prophecy. Uh, but I would just encourage you with fresh ears, uh, with an open heart, uh, to just hear what the Lord may want to say to you through the scriptures today. And I really believe that that if we can all get on the same page with this and we can we can lean into to this this path of prophecy for our church. I really believe that God will use it to build our lives individually but also build us up as a church. Amen. Let me show you this first scripture uh, right here. This is what the apostle Paul uh, shared with this church called the Corinthian church. It was in the city of Corinth. Uh, If you look, uh, if you want full context, chapter 11, 12, 13, and 14 is really a uh, a chunk that all goes together. Chapter 11, uh, he's dealing with basically all of the chapters of this. He's dealing with when the church gathers together as a community like this, as a worship gathering, when they gather, there was a lot of things that were out of order in the church. There are a lot of things that were kind of gone awry in the church. And so he wants to bring some correction and some guidance to this church, the Church of Corinth, that is actually very passionate about the activity of the Holy Spirit. They're very passionate about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They just kind of got things kind of out of whack a little bit, which a lot of churches have done. And by the way, that's why many Christians today have thrown the baby out with the bathwater is because there's been bad experiences around uh, the gift of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So in chapter 11, the first thing he deals, deals with is what we did today is the Lord's table, the communion. They were basically, they didn't have little Lunchables like we have today, they actually had like a full on meal together, the agape feast. They would all come together and they would share a, just a meal together. Some people were actually abusing this. They were, they were eating up all the food and they were drinking all the wine and they were, they were turning up. They were getting sauced up at church, okay? <laughs> And Paul's like, guys, you were, you've missed the point. Like, this is not about self-indulgence. This is about community. This is about sharing this meal together. So he deals with that in chapter 11. Uh, then in chapter 12, he talks about all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which by the way, gifts is actually, if you, if you really dig in and study, gifts is actually a, a, bad, um, a bad translation of the original Greek word. It, it really is pneumaticos, which is the, the Greek word gifts of the spirit, which basically means this, it's the stuff that the spirit does. It's not like this superpower. I think sometimes we view spiritual gifts as like, this is my superpower, like Spider-Man. It's like, this is my spirit power, right? That's not it. The gifts of the spirit, the list that he gives is this. He's saying the gift is the Holy Spirit, but he has all these other things that he does and these activities. And he gives a long list of those things. But one of the things that Paul does in chapter 12 is he begins to explain to them. He says, some of you think that certain people are more powerful than other people because you think you have better gifts than they have, but we're actually all a part of this body of Christ and every member is important. Your foot is just as important as your eye. You know, your eye is just as important as your hand. And so he's saying everyone, no matter what the activity of the spirit is in and through your life, whatever gifts you may operate in, if it's the gift of tongues or the gift of healings or the gift of prophecy is like, man, they're all equally great when you understand the next chapter, the backdrop that they should be set in, which is 1 Corinthians 13, love. And so a lot of people think that that God just gave us 1 Corinthians 13 to read at our marriages, right? And when we get married, you read, love is patient, love is kind, love is... That's not why that was given. He's given that because the Corinthians have forgotten that the whole point of all this is that we show the love of God to each other. And that the gifts of the Spirit are are one of the ways that God expresses his love through us, to us, to each other. And so, so that's why he says... If you possess the gift of prophecy, but you don't love, you're like a bunch of clanging symbols. Like, it's pointless. If you, put, if, you, if you can speak in tongues, and, but, you, but you, you, you can't love people, you don't show love to people, then it's, it's pointless. And so he drives in this idea of, like, you need to love people. And then at the end, he says, so let's pursue greater gifts, which I'm going to explain that because it seems contradictory to what I just said. I'll explain that in a moment. So then it goes from 1 Corinthians 11, 12, and 13 into chapter 14. And this is what he says. When you think about this to a group of people that are abusing the gifts of the spirit, what is his solution then to them? Here's what he says. His solution to a group of Christians abusing the spirit and misusing it is follow the way of love. Verse one and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, the stuff that the spirit does, especially the gift of prophecy. It seems as if he's putting fuel on the fire His solution to the problem of abuse with spiritual gifts is pursue them even more. This this seems very strange, but the problem was not with the gifts, but with their immaturity, self-centeredness, and their lack of clarity about the methodology by which they should operate in these gifts. And so rather than throwing the baby out with the bathwater, he says, let's deal with the murky bathwater. I'm gonna give you the right motivation. I'm gonna give you really the, the, the methodology that we should do this. Paul says, I'm going to set this thing straight and set it in order. By the way, that's, what, that's why we need people that are apostolic or pastors, spiritual leaders, elders in, our, in the church, so that when things get out of order, they can bring order to those things. And so this is what the apostle Paul does. He says, follow the way of love. That's the first thing he says. And eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gifts of prophecy. Now, before I dig into these other scriptures, let me ask you this question. Uh, how many of you in here, you would agree... Let me say it like this. How many of you in here, you're trying your best as a follower of Christ to follow the way of love? Okay. Okay. How many of you in here, as a follower of Jesus, you're doing your best to eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Okay. How many of you in here, as a follower of Jesus, you're eagerly desiring spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy? Right? So if, if, if the Bible... Tells us to do this. If Paul tells the church to do this, shouldn't we do this? Okay. (laughs) I mean, guys, I'm not making this stuff up. I didn't say it. Like, like I'm not Pentecostal. I'm not any denomination. I'm just Bible guy. Like, I'm like, this is what the Bible says, right? Follow the way of love, right? Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Especially the gift of prophecy. Why would he say that? Now, we're going to unpack that for a little bit. Let me give you some working definitions. What is it? Uh, When I use the word prophecy, I'm not referring primarily to the prediction of future events. Okay? That's not what I'm referring to. I'm also not referring to the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, the office of prophet. This is what I'm referring to. Here's a simple working definition for you, according to Dr. Wayne Grudem, systematic theology genius. He says this Prophecy is the human report of a divine revelation. In other words, it's when God spontaneously gives a divine revelation or insight to a person. It's from heaven to that person. God speaks to that person, and then that person reports it to another person or to a group of people. That's it. That's simply, that's the working definition. Prophecy is the speaking forth in merely human words, something God has spontaneously brought to a person's mind. I love what Preston said. If you were here the other night, you remember him saying this. Here's a simple layman's way to put it. Prophecy is simply God passing a note or a message, passing a note from one person to the next person so that they can get that message. So a picture is this. Is I want to tell my friend Fraser, which is good to have Pastor Fraser here all the way from Florida. He's here in the house, one of my best friends. I want Josh to know that it's so good to have him back at church. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm going to pass that note. I'm going to write it in a note. I'm going to give it to you and you're going to go give it to him. That's a picture of prophecy. God wants to communicate a message to someone that is divinely revealed to that person. And it's going to, he's going to give it to that person and they're going to bring it and give it to them. Now, why would he not just give that message directly to them? God does that sometimes, but sometimes, sometimes he likes to use the gift of prophecy to show the power of the demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. It's to show that the spirit is, act, is, is working and is active among you. That's one of the reasons, one of the primary reasons why God does it. He will give a person divine revelation and insight. As you'll see later on in 1 Corinthians 14, it'll be things that, that are like secrets in a person's heart. That, that things that maybe they would only know. And God will speak it to a person to tell, tell that person, hey, here's what God, God sees you. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what you're walking through. That's what prophecy is. Now, let me just give you my, um, my early experience with prophecy uh, is this. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a church home. My sister's right over here. We grew up in a, in a spiritual home. Uh, parents were great parents, and uh, they were pastors in ministry. The, the thing was when, when you have, and at least from our uh, tradition, uh, when you're the children of ministers, when traveling speakers would come in, they always seem to have a prophetic word for the pastor's kids. And I always wondered, I don't know if you did Danielle, but like did did mom or dad put them up to this? Like, like this seems a little shady. Why do they always have a word for us? You know? And so I was, if I'm honest, I was skeptical. I was like, this is, this is nothing. Uh, And even if it wasn't my parents giving them this insight or revelation, then here's what I thought many times they were just trying to uh, manipulate my parents and kind of butter up to them and impress them like, oh, they're, look, they're giving prophetic words to my kids. And so, you know, I grew up in that tradition and, and I'm sure that no one had any malicious intent, but it made me skeptical, if I'm honest. It made me think like, this is a little, little hokey, you know. Uh, the other thing um, about it is this, is that I was a bit skeptic uh, because the idea of God... Giving some, like speaking some revelation to a person to go and to tell another person just seemed like just so outlandish and illogical to me like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'd like to reason. I'm a contemplative person. I like to think through things and I like to be thoughtful. And so I would just think about, it. I'm like, this doesn't like, why does God have to do that? Why, why would he have to do that? Why does he need someone to go tell? And so for me, I just would deconstruct it a bit. And I thought, this is all, this is just weird, you know? And then I would be in some church environments where they would do prophetic things, but it was so wild and bananas. If I'm honest, it was so hokey and people were like so over the top. They would speak like King James version, like thus saith the Lord of hosts. And I'm like, you, don't talk like that like no one talks I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God I just heard you talk to your kids and that's not how you talk to them why God does not speak in King James right and so I just thought all of it was like this is so dumb this is like just give me the Bible do the devotions and go to church and just live buttoned up cute you know explainable Christian lives and but here's the thing As I got a little bit older, I remember being 18 years old, I was at a youth camp in Eunice, Louisiana. You don't know Eunice. You don't want to go to Eunice. (laughs) There's more cows than people there. It's bad. I was at this camp, 18 years old, had really just committed my life to the Lord, started really following Jesus. I was sitting on on like the, the last row and there was a guy, I don't even remember his last name, Pastor Rod. He was from Arkansas. He was the guest speaker in at some point after his message or before his message, at some point, Pastor Rod, he looked at me and he said, hey, young man in the back, want, would you stand up? You now, let me tell you, I did not want to stand up. I had just started following Jesus. I didn't really know anybody in the room. It felt so awkward. I, was, I had so much anxiety. I'm like, I, I just didn't want to stand up. I didn't, I'm like, why are you calling me out? Like, why are you doing this? Couldn't you just tell me in private? <clears throat> but I'm so glad that I stood up. Because Rod began to say this. He said, young man, he goes, here's while I was preaching, I, I could not stop looking at you. He said, because while I was preaching to this audience, he goes, I saw a picture of you standing up in front of crowds of thousands and thousands of people. He said, I saw you, you were standing in front of a crowd. It looked like it was almost a hundred thousand people in this massive field. And he said, and you were up, you're standing up there and you were preaching. You were declaring the word of God. You were, you were sharing the gospel with people. He goes, and I distinctly remember, I remember that you were in a place that smelt really bad. <clears throat> and that, all of that, that the, the nuances of what he said, he goes, I remember there was a lot of poverty where you were at. And it was a place where most people would not want to travel to this place. But I saw you standing on this stage and you were proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Now, fast forward seven years Fast forward seven years, I've now traveled to 20 to 25 different countries sharing the gospel, had completely forgot about Pastor Rod. And one night in India, in Gunter, India, I was standing on the stage in a soccer stadium with 75,000 people and I was proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And in that moment, God reminded me of that word Pastor Rod gave me. So like I've had like the, the wide spectrum of like really weird, bizarre But I've also had God deeply impact my life through this this idea of the activity of the Holy Spirit demonstrating his power through the gift of prophecy. So what do we do with that? Well, the first point I want to give to you is this. Write this down. All can prophesy. All of us can prophesy. Preston said this the other other day. He shared from Numbers 11 where uh, uh, Moses Um, how he, I'll just read the text to you. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Up until this point, God would let his Holy Spirit come down and rest on Moses and Moses would declare a prophetic word. He would speak on God's behalf to the people. And it says this, is that he gathered together those those elders, the 70 elders. It says, then the Lord came down in the cloud uh, and spoke with them. So there's his word, he spoke with them. And he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him, Moses, and he put that same spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but he did not, but, but did not do it again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up. And he said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, look at this. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? He says, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets. And that the Lord would put his spirit on all of them. So, So Moses' wish, his desire is, man, I wish that God would pour his spirit out on everyone. And everyone would prophesy. Well, here's what's interesting. In Joel chapter two, another guy gives a prophetic word and says, there will come a day when God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, men and women, sons and daughters, every race, nationality, he'll pour out his Holy Spirit on all flesh. And he says this, and they will sons and daughters will prophesy. They'll dream dreams. There'll be the supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit powerfully demonstrating himself through them in their midst. And then look at this in Acts chapter two, this is the fulfillment of Joel two. Acts two says this, Um, this was the day of Pentecost, which means 50 days after the Passover. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, which is what we just said. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? On all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's all of us, sons and daughters. We're sons and daughters of God. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. We'll take a nap all the old guys, we're going to take a nap. <laughs> Look at this. Even my servants, both men and women. Do you know that some people have taken 1 Corinthians 14, if you read the entire chapter you get a chance, there's a spot in there where Paul's dealing with a specific problem within the church of Corinth where there was, they would basically make men sit on one side, women sit on another side. And when someone was prophesying, then some of the wives would get up and there was a distraction. They would get up and come over here and begin to ask her husband's questions. So Paul deals with that. He says, here's what needs to happen. Don't do that. Don't do that. He's like, because it's creating distraction. When you get home, ask your husband because it's creating a distraction. But many denominations have taken that to say that women should not speak in church. Women should not teach. Women should not prophesy. But go and look at chapter 11 where Paul says, women will prophesy. So it lets us know, and this is our position as a church, prophecy, teaching, preaching, spiritual leadership is not just for men. It is for men and women. Amen from all the ladies. It's amazing how people will take one verse and twist it. It's amazing how people will do that. But he goes on, he says, all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, he keeps going, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they might prophesy, they will prophesy. They will prophesy. Um, Here's another one for you. 1 Corinthians 14, 31. uh, For you can all prophesy in turn so that uh, everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Men and women, listen, men and women, both minister and member. The gift of prophecy is not just for the spiritual elite. The gift of prophecy is for anyone who has the Holy Spirit of God that lives on the inside of them. That learns to hear the voice of God that can hear a word from the Lord to be able to share that and speak that to someone. It's for anyone. Let me illustrate it with this. There's a lady named Elise Cole. Elise worked, uh, she's, she's probably in her mid-50s. She'd kill me if she heard me say that, but just to illustrate the point, uh, mid-50s and, um, and she's worked, she, she was not a pastor when I first met her. She was not she, had not, she had no theological training or degree. She worked in social work for the state, state of Louisiana, but she her, her, her and her husband separated when she was, I guess, younger. And she just said, the Lord, I'm just going to, the Lord is my man. Like, it's me and Jesus now, okay? And she just began to, She would just pray, begin to develop an intimate relationship with the presence of the Holy Spirit, begin to learn his voice. I'm telling you, this woman, she, she could hear the voice of God so clear, clear, like more clear than anyone that I've probably ever met in my life. And, um, and I remember one night she was praying for me. And when she was praying for me, she she was so she was so unique the way she'd pray for you. She would pray, and she it was like she was having a conversation with God, not really with you. She'd say, "Thank you, Holy Spirit." Hmm. Okay. Great. Mm." I'm like, what? 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 Tell me. Tell me. What? 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 Tell me. You know. And but I remember this particular night. Now, listen. This is a woman. She's more. We won't say older. She's seasoned. Right. She's not a minister. She's not ordained. She's not some pastor. She's just a follower of Jesus with an intimate relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit that has learned to hear his voice. Here's what she said to me. She said, "Uh, Jason, I just see you walking down this, as I was praying for you, I just see you walking down this, it looks like a hotel hall room. And you're looking for a door of opportunity, a door to go through. She goes, I see you pass one door. It's a beautiful door. That's not your door. I see you walk, just like at a hotel, there's all the door. I see you walk up to another door and you're reaching out to open that door because this door looks like a beautiful door. That's not your door. She goes, I see a few doors that all look very beautiful and appealing, but those are not your doors. She goes, now I see you walk up to a door that is not so pretty. It's actually, it's an ugly door and it looks like it's falling apart. And you don't have to open the door, the Lord will. You just have to walk through the door. And I know it doesn't look as beautiful as the other doors, but if you'll just by faith walk through that door, you're gonna be so amazed what's on the other side of this door. Oh now, at the moment I was like, I don't know what that means, but I just wrote it in my journal, i began begin to pray about it. And later that year, I had an, a door of opportunity for me to go on staff at a particular church, a very known church in my city, making uh, a, a significantly more money than what I was making as a landscaper. I was going to do great. It was going to be wonderful. And it was appealing because I was working outside in the heat in Louisiana. It ain't like San Francisco, y'all. I was dying. Okay, I was like, I can be inside in the AC. I can minister to people. I can preach. This sounds so appealing. And I remembered that word, this is not the door. And then two months later, another church called me. But this is not the door. And finally, this church called Healing Place Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, that I grew up in, they called me and they said, we, we know you're, you probably aren't going to say yes to this, but we don't ever want to say no for someone. We have a job two days a week as a secretary for an outreach director at junior high schools that we'd love for you to consider. The pay is $6.75 an hour. And they said, it's a grant and that's all we have. But we, we really feel like this could be a good opportunity for you. As soon as they said it, I didn't care how ugly it was. I knew This is from the Lord. I I stepped through that door and the grant ran out within nine months and I didn't have a job. And I thought, this doesn't make sense. What about the word? What about the ugly door, beautiful door? I don't understand this. And you know what? There was a professional football player that found out that I lost that, that grant. And he said, how much will it take for him to, to do another year And he just wrote a check to pay for my salary so I could go full-time. Then they hired me as the high school pastor. Then I became the college pastor, then the executive pastor, and one of the teaching pastors at that church for the next 13 years. And now the pastor of that church will be here in two weeks speaking at our two-year anniversary. And if it weren't for me going on staff at that church, maybe I would have never discovered my calling. Maybe I would have never found out this organization called ARC. Maybe I would have never been here in San Francisco. And maybe you would have never been in that seat. On the other side, I'm telling you. What is my point of sharing that with you is Elise. I don't want to say she was no one special because I think we're all special, but you know what I mean? Elise was just a normal lady that just had, uh, she was a follower of Jesus that had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of her. She had learned to hear the voice of God and she was obedient and spoke out in faith, a prophetic word that changed the trajectory of my life anyone could do it we can all prophesy amen. amen the second one for you is this is prophecy is not manipulative it's not manipulation it is not there have been pro- people that appear to be prophetic that have an agenda and have said things to accomplish their own agenda not god's agenda and I'm going to tell you this right now. It breaks the heart of God because this is exactly what the enemy would want, want, want to happen. is for, some, for someone to misuse or abuse the gift of prophecy and then hurt or wound people. And then we say no one can be trusted. And now the very gift that God, one of the gifts that God gave to build up the individual believer and to build up the church. Now we, we because we've had a bad experience, we discredit it. We devalue it. And then we say we're, we're closed off to it. But it's not manipulation. It's God's agenda, not the speaker's agenda. Look at this. Jeremiah 23 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream how long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? Therefore declares the Lord, I am against the prophets. You didn't hear this people with their own agenda that are manipulative speaking, saying, this is what God told me to tell you. God says, if I didn't tell them, I'm against them. I'm against them because they're working against me. God says, he says, I am against the prophets who steal from one another word, supposedly for me. Yes, declares the Lord. I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare the Lord declares. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and they lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. Listen, that's a strong word. And somebody say, oh, yeah. Here's what you didn't know. You don't like false prophets. Neither does God. And when someone says, this is what God wanted me to tell you, and they, and they have not got a word from the Lord, God has not inspired that moment. It's not from the Holy Spirit. And they're prophesying lies. Then, then God is against that person. That is not from the Lord. And I just want to publicly say, if you've ever had a bad experience with, with the gift of prophecy or with the prophetic, I am sorry. Because that was not God's intention. That was not God's agenda. That was someone's agenda, but not his. It's never manipulative. It's like, the, it's, like the, <clears throat> it's like the girl or the guy that's dating someone and then they don't like him anymore. And they said, You know, I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, We really needed to, I need to take a season to not date. And a month later, they're in another dating relationship. It's like, Really? You gonna use the Christian cop out? The Lord said, <laughs> you Better back up. The Lord is against you. Yeah, you need to go read Jeremiah 23, girl. <laughs> Ezekiel 22. It says, Ezekiel 22 says, her prophets whitewash these deeds for them by false visions and lying divinations. Thus say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. Now, let me tell you why I'm saying all this. You can all prophesy, but the point I'm trying to make is you need to understand the weight of what this is. That when we say to someone that the Lord is saying this to you, the Lord wants to say this, you need to understand that, that this, this is a weighty thing and we should be careful. But don't let it deter you from operating in faith. The Bible says we prophesy according to our faith. The point I'm trying to make is just make sure that your motivation is right. My, my, uh, one, of, one of my pastors, Pastor Robert Morris, um, you'll hear from him later this year. But Pastor Robert Morris <clears throat> from Gateway Church, he hears from God so clearly uh, he's a, just such, such an amazing pastor. I r- highly respect him. But he he said, you know, their chur- the church that I came from, there's 35,000 members at the church. There's like seven locations. They do five services at every location every weekend. As you can imagine, he can't preach all those services. Which, by the way, one day we're going to have 10 campuses and we're going to have a lot of services all over this place. gonna this so just... Maybe that was prophetic. I don't know. I know it was. The Lord spoke to me one day when I was flying on a plane. He said, uh, I think it's Luke chapter. I forget. It's in Luke where he says, because you've been faithful with a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. And I feel like God said, if you'll be faithful with Noe Valley and the people in San Francisco, I'm going to give you 10 cities in the Bay Area. It's a pro- prophetic word. So I believe it. You believe it? I believe it. But, but there's, there's all these services at Gateway. And so, um, so Pastor Robert, has he, he has to do a lot, use a lot of technology and video. Uh, now, here's the thing. is a lot of people, if you grew up in church, you probably had a live preacher like this. And so you're not used to someone being on a screen, which if we had screens on the st- side right here, here's what, here's what statistics have shown us. Here's what my experience has shown us is you would eventually be looking at the screens, not me, because you get a clear, better picture. And I think we just look better on the screen or something. I don't know, I don't know how that works. But, um, <clears throat> but he was using technology. Well, a lady came up to him after church one Sunday and says, Pastor Robert, I have a word from the Lord. For you, he said, "Okay, well, share it with me." And she said, "I was just praying while you were teaching, and the Lord spoke to me and said that you should speak at all five services in South Lake, and um, and it will. That's what he desire, That's what he desires for you to do." And he said, "Well, thank you so much for you sharing that in faith, um, but I just want to let you know that I do not believe that's a word from the Lord. Thank you, uh, but that's not a word from the Lord. And, and the reason I know it is because the elders of our church." have set that governor and set that guidelines for me to only preach at maximum two services. And so the word that you're sharing goes against the word that the Lord shared with our elders. So thank you for sharing that. But I graciously wanted to just tell you that that was not from the Lord. And he said, could it be, he asked her, could it be that you just have a preference to hear me preach live? And she said, I'm so sorry, pastor. Uh, That was not a word from the Lord. And, and here's the point is we just have to be careful, but you, you need to not let the fear of saying the wrong thing or messing this thing up. Don't let fear cripple you. This is a gift that God wants all of us to operate in. But the point is just weigh our words and make sure that we don't have an agenda, but it's the Lord's agenda. Amen. Amen. Here's the last one for you. Prophecy is encouraging. It's just It's encouraging. Sunday night, if you were here, then you, you would probably, I, I would think you would agree with me on this. Sunday night was the most encouraging atmosphere I've ever experienced in our church. Yes. I'm telling you, no one wanted to even leave afterwards. We've been at church all day, people. Like people were just like lingering and hanging out and high-fiving and smiling and hugging. It was just like, just, just like there was a spirit of encouragement. Yeah. in in the atmosphere of our church. Why? Because it was all done in order with the right motivation to express the heart of God to people. And there was an encouraging spirit that lifted people up. It was unbelievable. I was encouraged. I have been talking about Sunday night all week to a group of pastors that I was in Alaska with on a fishing trip. They were like, will you stop talking about Sunday night? I'm like, I just can't, man. I'm so encouraged. This is so encouraging, you know? But let me give you a few scriptures. First Corinthians fourteen says, "Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and their comfort." There's the three things I want you to write down: for strengthening, for strengthening, for encouraging, and comfort. I just used one word, encouragement, or encouraging, because it, I think it captures all three of those things. But look at this: uh, verse thirty-one says. For you can all prophesy, in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and what? Encouraged. Prophecy is, is to encourage people. Another, some of your translations say to edify, which is a simply a building term, to build up. It's while praying in the spirit is for your own benefit to build yourself up in private, The gift of prophecy is a public gift for you to do in public to not to build you up, but to build others up, to edify them, to encourage them and to strengthen them. And so one of the best things you can do, this is so practical for you. One of the best prayers that you can pray is this is when God puts somebody on your heart, you just pray and ask the Holy Spirit these three things. Holy Spirit, is there something you'd want to tell this person that would encourage them, strengthen them or comfort them? And then listen. And the Holy Spirit, maybe not all the time, but sometimes he'll share a word that will encourage that person. Sometimes it'll be a word that will strengthen them. Sometimes it may be a word that will comfort them. We saw this Sunday night in our church, but that's a great question. Last night I'm on the plane, I'm flying. I got home, like I said, 2.30 in the morning. It's about one in the morning. I'm flying from Seattle home. And I just felt like I'm preparing for this message. And I felt like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna pray right now. I'm gonna practice what I'm gonna preach. And I'm gonna practice this right now and so Holy Spirit, the flight attendant, I ask you, Holy Spirit, is there something that you would want to say to this lady that would encourage her, strengthen her, or comfort her? I got nothing. I went to sleep. <laughs> but I asked. The point was I asked. God didn't have nothing he wanted to say to that sister. but Let me hurry with this. I want to get you out of here. Acts 15, 32. Acts 15, 32. Hey, how easy would that be for you just to pray And ask that your coworker, your boss, your spouse, your child, Holy Spirit, as I'm praying for my son, Nixon, is there something you'd want? You'd want to tell him that would encourage him, strengthen him, comfort him. That's so simple. Isn't that so practical? And then you just operate in faith and you just share that message with that person. Don't say, hey, the Lord told me to tell you this. Just say something like this. Why? I'm going to be practical with you. Some of you have had people come to you and said, said, the Lord told me to tell you this. I would stay away from language like that. I would use language like this. As I was praying for you, I just got this sense that the Lord would want to encourage you with this. And I don't know if this makes sense to you, but, and then you just share whatever it is and then say, you can ask them, hey, does that, does that resonate with you? Or you can just say, man, pray about it. See if God speaks to you through that. It doesn't have to be crazy. It's that simple. Will it encourage them? Will it strengthen them? By the way, if someone gives you a prophetic word and it doesn't encourage you, it doesn't strengthen you, it doesn't comfort you, it was not from the Lord. It may have been for them or for someone else or not from God at all. By the way, you know it wasn't from the Lord if it doesn't align with Scripture. God speaks the way He writes. Never mind. Oh, I'll keep going. Acts 15 And Judas and Silas. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, they flowed in this gift. They, it was not just the gift of prophecy, but the office of prophets. They themselves were prophets and encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. I love that. I love that. Prophecy is encouraging. But there was, there was something I want to share. Oh, this is it right here. Acts 4. This is the scripture. Acts 4.36. Watch this. This is, this is really great. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. So his name was Joseph. But the apostles of the church changed his name, gave him a new name, Barnabas. You know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement. Here's what they're saying. You're so encouraging that if encouragement had a son, you would be him. I wonder, I wonder if that could be said of you or of me, that you're so encouraging that if encouragement had a son or a daughter, it would be you. Man, I want to be like that. I want to have a reputation as a pastor and as a person, as a follower Jesus, as being encouraging. I don't want to be pessimistic and negative and cynical. I want our church to be known in this city, in this region, and around the world to be one of the most encouraging atmospheres that you can go into. If somebody agrees with me, would you say amen? amen. I want to be encouraging. Um, here, here's the last few things I'll share with you. Just maybe, just two little, two, two or three little things. Um, uh, about the encouragement piece. I was, I was very discouraged about this church planning thing in 2015, thinking it was never gonna happen. I wrote down in my journal, I, could, I should have shown you the picture. I wrote down in my journal, God, it feels like the leadership of this church is holding me back from what you've called me to do. I wrote that down. A few days later, I was meeting with a guy named Tim Ross. He's an unbelievable pastor. And here's what he said to me. He said, Jason, he goes, as you were speaking, he goes, God showed me a picture of a, a slingshot. And he said, and I saw what, what to me would appear to be like the hands of the Lord. And you were in this slingshot. And he had you back like this. And then he pulled you back like this. And he pulled you back like And he released you. He said, and here's what the Lord wanted to say. You're not being held back. You're being pulled back. To set a, a new trajectory so that this church plant can go farther, faster, and do more than you can ever imagine. You're not being held back. You're being pulled back. You know what I did? My wife got me a slingshot, and it sits in my office right now. It's a picture. God wanted to give me a picture of something I could wrap my mind around. They're not holding me back. He's pulling me back to set a new trajectory. You know what it did? That became a word of strength for me. Encourage. You know what encouragement means? Encourage means in courage means adding strength, putting strength and putting courage into someone. God will give you a prophetic word for someone that's discouraged, someone that's weak, someone that's struggling. God will give you a prophetic word that will add courage and add strength into their life. God wants to do that. He wants to do that. Uh, Here's the last last few things I would say to you is this. So how how can you practically uh, begin to develop this gift and be using this gift? Number one is, prayer. There's no, there's no substitute for your conversation with the Holy Spirit of God to learn his voice. If you never spend time listening to the voice of God for your own life, how will you ever be able to hear the voice of God for someone else's life? So prayer is the first starting point. The second one is, I already said it's is scripture. Is It's amazing how many times when I do share a prophetic word with someone, I have a scripture to go with it. Um, it was a young lady that I shared a word with the other night. I said, this is the scripture God gave me, is that uh, out, of, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. That was the scripture that God gave me um, for you. And this is what the Lord said, as you stay in close proximity to me, that there will be songs and creativity like a river that's gonna flow out of your life. It came from a scripture, right? And so the more that you study scripture, the more that you know the, the word of God, you'll know the voice of God so that when God speaks, you'll know it's him. And when you hear another message that doesn't align with scripture, you'll know that's not from the Lord. Scripture is so important. Could it be one of the things that could unlock the prophetic in your life for the Holy Spirit to, do pow- to speak powerful words through you to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people? Could it be simply developing the discipline of spending time in the scriptures? path of scripture. I would encourage you with that. Here's two other things. Proximity to prophetic people. Here's what I've discovered. The more I'm around discouraging people, the more discouraging I am. The more I'm around negative people, the more negative my words are. The more I'm around positive people, the more positive. The more I'm around generous, generous people, the more generous I am. The more, I'm telling you, the more you're around people that do operate in the gift of prophecy that speak prophetically, encouraging, strengthening and comforting words. The more you're around it, man, I'm telling you, it will, do, it will rub off on you because you'll see the power of the Holy Spirit demonstrate through them. You'll desire it. You'll want it. I'm telling you, get around some people. And I'm not saying get around weird people. All right. Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. We've already established that. Okay. But, but in proximity to some people that are encouraging, that are comforting, that they use their words to speak life. Get around people like that. The last one is this, is you just gotta practice. I know it sounds funny to say practice, but you need to do that. I remember the first time I got a prophetic word for somebody, you know what I did? I was so nervous, I wrote it down because I didn't wanna screw it up. I wrote it down and I still even do that to a point today. I wrote it down and man, I just prayed over that thing for like two weeks, like I don't wanna get this wrong. And I shared it with that person. And, and then it was like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then more and more, more and the more. And the more that you step out in faith, the more your faith will be built, the more you'll learn how to hear the voice of God and you'll be able to speak in people's lives. And write these three th- things down. Here's how God will speak to you, three ways. Jasmine uh, Owen asked me this the other day. How do you know if it's God? Here's how God will speak a message to you prophetically. You'll either see a picture, you'll see something. There was someone I gave a word to the other day that was like, there's a missing puzzle piece, but I see that you're that piece that could go. Okay, so it's a picture. Sometimes you'll see something. Sometimes you'll sense something and sometimes you'll hear something. Some people are here, some people are seers, some people are sensors. Me, I'm more see and sense things. I don't necessarily hear God say, but I sense, uh, I mean, I really sense this from the Lord or I'll see a picture, right? So that's one of the ways that God will speak that to you. And um, the, last, the last thing I'll say is this, people ask me, so how do, how do we as a church flow in the prophetic? And this is simply it. If you look in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, he outlines and he says, I want you to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, but I want you to do it in an orderly way. I don't want people just running around and prophesying and going. He's like, I don't want that. He goes, it should be two to three people at a time that share a prophetic word. And it should, watch, it should be evaluated by the elders of the church to make sure it's legit. And it should encourage people, strengthen people and comfort people. So as a church, what, what we did Sunday night, we'll do that more times. We'll have services where there'll be two or three pastors or elders or teachers or whatever that will get up and we'll we'll share some words of encouragement. So that's the way that we do it. So we don't just, you know, we're not going to have church services where somebody just jumps up and like I grew up in a service church where there was a microphone that stayed at the end of the stage and people could just come up, interrupt service, grab it and just start just rocking the mic. We're not doing that, okay? Here's why. Because we're a church that we're really passionate about this. We're really passionate about reaching people that are far from God, that do not know Jesus. And sometimes things like that that get out of hand can turn people off to church. And so we wanna do things in order. When things are out of order, they rarely produce fruit. They mainly produce frustration and chaos. But when there's order, the Bible says, God is a God of order as in all the congregations. He's not a God of chaos, he's a God of peace. So we do things in order. But so how does this, how does this flow with you? Here's what I think that, that God would want us to do, is that you, can, you do have the ability to, to hear from God and to give an encouraging word. And you can do that on Sundays, but here's how that should look. I would encourage you, don't show up to church at the second song or the third song. Amen? That would help the worship team. I want to encourage you, the doors open at 10. Listen, church starts at 10, service starts at 1030. Come here early. You never know a word of encouragement God may give you for somebody. Come grab a cup of coffee. Just be chilling, be hanging out, and let God speak to you and through you to somebody's life. Amen? Stay look, Don't just rush off afterwards. Hang out for a few minutes. Man, have some conversations. Don't be a familiar stranger at this church. Be a member of this church that God can use to speak through you to somebody's life. I'd also encourage you to get in a small group. That's probably the best place for the prophetic gift to really operate in our church is in a small group where God will use you in that, that group to say something encouraging to somebody, to say something to strengthen somebody, to comfort some, someone. that's the way that we'll do that as a church. Let me, let me wrap up with this. I I remember going to Gateway Church in 2013 and they told me there was a senior presbytery night. I didn't even, I'd never even heard of that. Presbytery is simply it's elders, right? That's all it means. There's a, there was a senior presbytery night where they would give prophetic words to seniors that were graduating high school that were going off to college. And it would be a word that would strengthen, encourage, or comfort them as they go into a new season. I thought that was kind of cool. And they said, um, you have to register, bring your whole family, but you register. And then they would give that name about a month or two out to a group of people that would be sharing uh, prophetic words. And the group of people would have a name and they would pray for that person and ask the Holy Spirit, is there something you'd wanna say that would strengthen, comfort, or encourage? And so I get to this gathering and they tell me, hey, you're gonna MC this gathering. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I don't even know what's going on here. This is so odd, you know? But I got up and I just shared a couple stories about, my experience with prophetic ministry. I sat down and then watch this. this. This pastor stood up, Craig Turndrip was his name. And he said, guys, he goes, today, every senior in high school, you're gonna get a word of encouragement from the Lord. And uh, we believe it's gonna bless you. It's gonna really speak to you today. And we have some people that have been praying for you. They're gonna speak a word into your life. But he said this, he goes, I want you to know that before we do that, you're about to, you're about to receive a prophetic word. God's gonna speak to someone and he's gonna speak through them into your life. And he said, because I want you to see that this is not just for special people, the elite, but all of us can operate in this. But I want you to know that the person that I'm gonna have do that is just, students, I want you to stand. And And then he said this, dads, I want you to stand up. And not everyone had a father in the room. Some had an absent father or whatever. And so some of the leaders, we got around those students. And he said this, he said, Dads, you know that probably the most prophetic voice in your home should be and could be yours is that, that the, a father's words help shape a child, a son or a daughter. And that God wants to use your words not to tear down your kids, but to build up your kids. And he said, and if the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you, then he can give you a word of encouragement to say to your child. And so this, you can see these dads were sweating. I mean, they were like, they were so nervous. I mean, some of the dads came in like this, just like not wanting to be there. You know, they had a long day at work and now they're like, you know, and it was, it was like, oh my gosh. So then, then Craig said, student, dad, I want you to turn and face each other. And then he said this. He said, dads, he said, I want you to look into your son's eyes or your daughter's eyes. He said, and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Help me see what you see in them. Help me see what you see in them. And I'm telling you what, I turned around and I looked and I saw dads just with huge tears streaming down their face. I saw families huddle up and start hugging each other. Healing was happening in that moment. It wasn't the minister. It was just an everyday average person that just said, Holy Spirit, will you use me? Will you use me to encourage, strengthen and Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.